Turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 13. Judges chapter 13. I'd like to continue on in our study in Judges. And uh, we looked at the introduction to Judges. We looked at uh, Deborah. We looked at Gideon. And this morning we want to look at Samson. Now there's some other lesser known judges in between here. But if we want to look at Samson was a well-known judge. And we think about some of the things that stood out in Samson's life. Number one was that he was a Nazarite. And Nazarite, he was, he was to be separated unto God. He was set aside for God. And his hair was the sign. And uh, we see he was strong. <clears throat> not sure why it's not working here. <laughs> okay. He was, uh, he was strong. I mean, he killed lions with his bare hand. He killed a lion with his bare hand uh, like it was a young goat. He slew a thousand with the jawbone of a donkey. I mean, he pushed the pillars out. I mean, he was strong. And that's probably what we think of when we think of Samson. And we see he was very witty, uh, just loved jokes. He come up with riddles. Uh, probably a fun guy to be around, and his name would mean sunshine. His name means uh, sunshine, so he would have been uh, very fitting for him, sunny, sunny like that. So, and th and then we see also we're going to see that he had a, a weakness for women, and that's going to stand out. He was very bold before men, but. When it came to, I mean, the when it came to women, he was very weak. He gave in to the appetites of the flesh, instead of uh, when this, even though the spirit of the Lord was upon him. So he fought a lot of the Lord's battles, but he broke a lot of the Lord's commandments as well. So that is going to come out. <clears throat> now, sunshine speaks of light. Uh, but yet he ended his life in darkness when his eyes were taken out. You read this story and it's a very, it's, it's a tragedy. You know, you think of all that he could have been. Think of how he went from, I mean, he, his, he was a lot, a lot of times he was a hero. But then he went to a zero. And the title of the message is Samson from strength to weakness. From strength to weakness. We see a lot of disobedience. We see defeat. We see disgrace. And we see destruction. And a lot of times we're going to say, you know, Samson, what are you doing? What are you thinking? But we want, we want to end with seeing him with the repentance that he comes at the very end. And it's, uh, it's very exciting to see the, how the story ends. But Samson, from strength to weakness... You know, Deborah was uh, title was a woman of strength. Gideon was from weakness to strength, and then Samson is from strength to weakness. Now, Judges gives four chapters to Samson, and this morning we want to look at. I'd like to cover the whole thing. I was debating about breaking in two, but I'd like to bring the story down to one message and try to look at each scene. We're going to go fast. I'm not going to read all the scripture, but we're going to make application as we go. We're going to see the, his whole life story uh, compacted here in, in one setting. Now, Samson is the, the last of the judges. It doesn't, the book of Judges doesn't end here, but we see the, uh, the, the, the last verse of the, of, the, of the judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. 
and we see the book declines and, and declines. When we get to Samson, it's, things are pretty bad, very bad. And then when you go on after the book of Samson, uh, book of the, at the end there, it even gets worse. It's just horrific what happens here. But we see in chapter 13, in verse 1, it starts out by, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And that's what all the judges starts out with. And the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. Now things are worse here. <clears throat> Number one, we don't see them crying out to the Lord for help. We looked at the cycles of the before, you know, how the sin and the oppression that came together. And then after the, that, there was the crying out and the deliverance. And here we don't even see the crying out. They don't cry out to God. They don't want to be delivered. They don't want to be delivered. And secondly, here there's no man here to, that God can call. Samson is not born yet. There's no Gideon. There's no Ehud. There's no Shamgar. There's, God asks a, a father and a mother who can't have children to raise, to, that they're going to have a son and they're going to raise him 20 years down the road. Gonna, God's going to use him to deliver Israel. So he was a miracle baby. And he was to be a, a Nazarite. <clears throat> Now, a Nazarite vow, you'll find in Numbers, Numbers chapter 6 and 2 to 6. And basically, it consists of, uh, number one, you were not to touch any wine, <clears throat> nothing from the grapes, nothing from the vineyard at all. And number two, you no, weren't supposed to cut their hair. And number three, they weren't to touch a dead body. And the purpose was for separation. They were to be separate from the nations around them. Those that took this Nazarite vow, uh, it was voluntary. It was a voluntary separation. And they were to stay away from these three things. Now, uh, the purpose, and the purpose was for separation. We see that the whole book of Leviticus, you know, was about separation. And for us today, we have the, the whole New Testament. We have the doctrine of separation that stands very true today. So this was a voluntary separation, this Nazarite vow. Now, for his parents, it wasn't. He was commanded. They were commanded. But God's saying, if you want to get serious about your devotion to me, separate yourselves from the vineyard. That would mean the grapes. That would mean moist grapes and dry grapes. And it gets specific. And uh, now the Bible condemns drunkenness. We know that. It's wine and excess is wrong. But what's wrong with drinking grape juice or eating raisins? You know, God's saying, I want you to be so serious in your devotion to me that you're willing to stop doing things that aren't wrong, that are, that are legitimate. You, I want you to go further than commanded, going beyond our... Uh, our uh, guidelines, just going beyond. And the purpose is to remind you yourself of the, your, the seriousness of the commitment to me. God's saying it. So all the children of Israel uh, belong to the Lord, but how many of them were very committed and separated unto him? Like today, there's thousands of people sitting in the pews of churches this morning, but how many of them take it very seriously, their commitment to Christ? You know, the Old Testament Vow doesn't exist anymore. So we're not under the Old Testament. We don't have that Old Testament Nazarite vow. But separated people are still very true. God, the doctrine of separation is, is very true and for the church today. Uh, to be sanctified, I mean, New Testament, it, it calls all of us to be separated, not just some. 
To be sanctified is to be set apart. And every saint is to be set apart, to be sanctified. And God has a, a calling for every person. And a phrase that we're going to see come up here repeatedly is, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And his, his set-apartness, this vow that he took, is what gave him access to this spiritual power. I mean, he had power over enemies because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And today, in, our, in the church age, every believer has the Spirit of God living in him. If we are sanctified, if we are separated, if we're living separated lives. But when we lose our separatedness, when we, well, that's when we lose power. We're going to see that in Samson's life. And today, I wonder if there's not a lot of Christians that do not have the power because they are not living a sanctified life. Now we see here, oh, there's the verse. Wherefore come out from among him and be ye separate, and be, not, and be separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. That is the New Testament call to the doctrine of separation. So now we see here, he went down in, in chapter 14. He went down to Timnah and saw a girl. Now Timnah wasn't very far away. And he says in verse 2 to his parents, get her for me. And then uh, in verse 3, his parents say, well, isn't there an Israeli girl out there that would, is, is there no Israeli girl out there for you? And it's like, isn't there one Christian girl out there? You know, he says in the end of verse 3, get her for she pleases me. Get her. Now, she was a Philistine. And we know they, were, they weren't supposed to intermarry. That was one of their downfalls. Now, this wasn't uh, them, the parents being prejudiced. It's Bible. It was following Bible. It was obedience. And, but in verse 4, he said that they knew not that it was of the Lord. The parents didn't know that. So, so Samson went down with his parents. Instead of his parents demanding they come up higher, they went down with him. And there we see, get her for she pleases me well. And there he, he meets up with a lion. Children, I'm going to have some pictures here, so keep looking. He meets up with a lion, and it tells us that he kills it with his bare hand, like a kid, like a goat. And uh, so, but he didn't tell his parents. He didn't tell his parents. And then in verse 5, we see him, he's going through a vineyard. It says he's going through a vineyard. He goes down with his parents, and he goes through a vineyard. Now, Samson, what are you doing in a vineyard? What about your Nazarite vow? What about your... You see him, he's disregarding his vow early on. He's young here. And uh, then he's... In verse 7, we see he goes down to talk to the woman. So now he sees this girl. And now it's not just the lust of the eyes, but he's, he's, he's getting tangled up with this girl. And we see that he goes down uh, to, to marry her. So... It, I believe Samson's weakness came down to this one statement, how she pleases me well, get her for me. Nobody's going to stop him. His parents aren't going to stop him. God's not going to stop him. And he, he does what he wants. And, you know, another thing we see here is that he doesn't have friends. He doesn't, I think that's one of his problems that we see. You see, he's acting alone. We'll see in his story, he's acting alone. The Philistine, he didn't even have friends come to his wedding. The Philistines provided 30 of, the, uh, of, the, of his friends, and the best man was a Philistine. And he's fighting all the battles alone. You know, Deborah had 
She didn't fight alone. Gideon didn't fight alone. Samson is alone. He's a loner. And I believe if we're going to be successful in our Christian lives, we can't be alone. We need each other. So then he comes back later. And in verse 8, we're going to see him coming back later. And there he sees the carcass of this lion. And it tells us that he scoops the, and the bee, beehive was, is in there. And he takes his hand in there and scoops out the honey. And he eats some. Now, Samson, what are you doing touching a carcass? Isn't that part of your vow? He's dis disregarding his vow. He's not very serious about it at all. And then verse 10, he throws a party. And, uh, I, I, and this word suggests wine or banqueting. So it's alcohol. So Samson, what are you doing drinking alcohol? God has blessed you and chosen you to deliver Israel. Why are you drinking alcohol? Why are you breaking his, his commitments? And then in verse 12, uh, in verse 14, he, gets, he hatches this idea of a riddle. Now, this would have been at his wedding here. And uh, he hatches this idea of a riddle. And this riddle would have came from the, uh, the scene here with the honey in the carcass. And he says these guys, to these guys, uh, the, the Philistines, he makes a bet in verse 12. You can answer this riddle. I owe you 30 changes of clothes. And if you can't, then you owe me. And they said it's a deal. It's a deal. And they, they tried to figure it out. And they tried to figure it out. And they couldn't. They couldn't. Now, the honey in the carcass, this, this is what sparked him the idea for him to come up with this. Out of the eater cometh forth meat. And out of the strong cometh forth sweetness. So it's out of the eater. It's like out of the lion comes forth meat, food. And out of the strong is the lion comes forth sweetness, the honey. So they would probably never get it. But one thing we want to notice that he's, he's going into his, the carcass here. And he's not supposed to touch the car, a, dead, a dead body. And now he's making a joke about it. He's laughing about it. He's making joke about He's making light of his sin. He's making light, he has a casual attitude. You know, he, 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 he has to be more serious. We can't, he can't. So they can't figure this out. They can't figure this out. They go to Samson's bride in verse 6, uh, in, verse, um, in verse 15. They go to Samson's bride. He said, you're one of us. You tell us, you go find out what this riddle is. And if you don't, we're going to kill you. And she pulls the old trick in verse 16. She just begins to cry and press him and he couldn't stand up against this lion and he told and he and he against this crying and he told her he can stand up against the lion but he can't stand up against her crying and he told her he told her the riddle and then in verse 18 he says uh, they came and told him that and he says well you wouldn't have figured out if you wouldn't have plowed with my heifer he calls his wife to be a heifer a heifer not probably not a good idea well what he was saying is Nobody, you don't, plow, you don't plow with a heifer, you plow with an ox. So you broke the rules. He was saying you broke the rules. But he still owes them 30 changes of clothes. So he goes out to Ashkelon, and that's 30 miles away. And it says there that the spirit of the Lord came upon him. And then you're gonna, you see that coming up frequently. And he kills 30 Philistines, and he brings back the clothes, a set, 30 sets of clothes. Now... <clears throat> 
30 sets of clothes. I mean, he didn't just go to Walmart and buy them. He went out and he killed, he killed 30 Philistines. Now, he would have had to touch the dead bodies, right, to get the clothes. Little regard for his commitment. Little regard. Samson. And then he comes back, and instead of going into his wife, he goes home. He's angry, and he goes home to his father. And in, in, uh, in, verse, in chapter 14, verse 20 there, Samson's wife was given to the best man. And then chapter 15, verse 1, after a while, Samson returns to his wife. And dad says, oh, I thought you hated her. I gave her to, to the best man. Oh, you can have her sister in verse 2. Behavior of Philistines, right? Philistines. And then he goes and retaliates and he catches 300 foxes. And he ties their tails together and he sets them on fire. Now, in, in chapter uh, 15, verse 4, he, uh, it says he, 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 it was happened during the wheat harvest. Now, how can you catch 300 foxes? And how could you tie their tails together and, and light them on fire? You know, so Samson is a, you know, I, I don't know how he did it, but the Bible says he did it. And he destroyed all the crops, all the, all the wheat. It was during wheat harvest. So all the shocks, everything that's standing, devastated their economy, devastated everything. It says the corn, the wheat, and the vineyards, and the olives. So, I mean, this is going to get attention, right? This is going to get attention. And they said in verse 6, who did it? Who did it? That's the first thing they want to know. And then it got around that Samson did it. And why? It was because the Timnite gave Samson's wife to the best man because of what happened. And then so they go and retaliate and they go and kill the, uh, her father and her with fire. Remember, she was threatened. If she didn't get the answer to the riddle, they would kill her. And now they both die anyway. Just Philistines. Philistines. Now, Samson, let's just think about it. What, who's, what is Samson doing here? Samson was supposed to deliver Israel, right, from the Philistines. But if you look at it closer, who's, who's he really, whose battle is he fighting here? Is he fighting God's battle or is he fighting his own battles? You know, sometimes we can get into fighting our own battles and our own personal battles battles rather than God's battle. I believe Samson was a lot of it, it was he was in for it for himself. He was in for it for himself. And he's missing the very thing that God is calling him to do. Then in uh, chapter 15 in verse 11 we see his fellow Israelites turn on him. They turn on him. They said don't you know they are rulers over us? And what is this that you have done? What is all, you're causing all this trouble. You see here, they want peace. They're just content to be slaves. I mean, they, they don't want to be delivered. And they call on him to turn himself in. And, uh, and they says they, there in verse 13, they bind him with new ropes and delivered him to the Philistines. And in verse 14, it says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he ripped the ropes like flax. He ripped the ropes like flax. And he, he found, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he found uh, the doll, a jawbone of a donkey laying there. And he says he, and this is what a jawbone of a donkey would look like, supposedly. I guess it would be different sizes. But that's what he found. He picked it up, 
And he swung and swung and swung, and he killed a thousand Philistines. It says in verse 8 that he smote them hip and thigh. Hip and thigh. You know, I don't know what that, <clears throat> it's just like probably saying it, just let them have it. Or we'd say like lock, stock, and barrel. You know, just he just grabbed that thing and just went. But the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And then in verse, in verse 16, it says that he composed a song. And maybe it's why he's still holding the jawbone. I'm not sure. But in verse 16, it says... Um, in verse... Uh, <clears throat> It came to pass when he made an end of his speaking that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand and called that place uh, Ramathia. No, and Samson said with, in verse 16, with the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of an ass have I slain a thousand men. So it doesn't rhyme there in English, but it probably did in Hebrew. So there, while he's still holding that in his hand, he composes a song. And then in verse 18, he says he's very thirsty. And it's the first time we see him calling out to the Lord. Verse 18, it says, And he was a sore thirst, and he called on the Lord and said, Thou hast this, given this great deliverance unto thy servant, and now, and, and now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? But God claved a hollow place that was in that jaw, in the jaw, and there came water thereout. And when he had drank, his spirit came again and revived him. Wherefore, wherefore he called that place thereof and Kalara, which is in Lehi, unto this day. <clears throat> and he judged Israel 20 years. So there we see him calling out to the Lord. And we're going to see him one other time at the end calling out to the Lord. But he, this time he was thirsty. And there was some water trapped in the jawbone. And I don't know if it got a hole in it or whatever. He could get that water out. And it says he drank that water and was refreshed. Now, I'm not sure what that water tasted like, but that would be, uh, I guess when you're that thirsty, you'll drink, drink anything. So then in, verse, in chapter 16, we see he, uh, unfortunately, he went into a harlot. In verse, chapter 16, Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot and went into her, in unto her. And here we see he's defiling his purity. He's sleeping around. Here he's getting more brazen, more bolden. This once mighty man of God is just now is now playing the harlot. And we see later, a little a couple verses later, that he'll go and he sees another woman, Delilah. So we could say, you know, Samson, what 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 are you doing? Can't you see? What are you doing? And then, and you could say, well, was he was was he blind before they put his eyes out? You know, I believe this sin can be blinding. And the Bible talks about, in Proverbs 7, is a whole chapter that talks about the prostitute's trap. And that's the title in my Bible. But the prostitute's trap, in the middle of that chapter, in verse 13, it says how she caught him, indicating the, 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 this, it describes the way a man gets sucked in. And it says here, for she hath cast down many wounded Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. And here we see Samson as a prime example of this, from strength to weakness. He didn't control his lust. He just, uh, whatever he wanted to do, he did. And 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, that, but I keep, my I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. You know, we need to keep our body in subjection. We need to tell our body what to do and not what it wants to do. I control my eyes and to look not what it wants to, but what it should look at. And we control our tongue. We were talking about the spirit-controlled tongue the other evening. And that is, we, we don't let our tongue just say whatever it wants to. We control. We must control our passions. And that's the message that we learned from Samson. If we don't, it'll take us down. It'll take us down. Samson lost his power, and his eyes were put out. You know, there was a... He stood up against that, that, that lion, but then when this lion of lust came, he, just, he caved in and he, and he lost out. The Bible tells us to flee fornication, flee immorality, like Joseph did to run, to run. Jesus said, but I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already in his heart. And today we need to... Uh, you know, I believe Satan is, is, is making hay. He has many tools in many ways. And, you know, uh, just like, I guess, Delilah is the one that really took Samson the whole way down. But we need to be on guard. And, and we, need to, we need each other. <clears throat> well, let's move on here. In, verse, uh, in, verse, in chapter 16, verse 3, we see that word got around that Samson is in town. The Philistines, they said, we're going to get him. We're going to get him. They're going to watch all night at the gate, and they're going to kill him. And uh, so Samson comes up to the gate and sees it locked and barred, and he rips the post and the gate and everything all out. Now, did you ever try to take a fence post out of, a ground, out of the ground? I mean, I did already, just a fence post that's in a foot and a half or a foot. And you've you, you got to pull and pull. I mean, it's, there's some resistance there. It says Tanton just pulled that out and just took it and carried it up the top of the hill. You know, doesn't it look like he's playing games? Then in chapter 16 and verse 4, it says he loved Delilah. Delilah. And then uh, and, and another, another woman, and this is the one that took him down. In verse, in verse 5, the Philistines found this out, and they said, Seduce him, and find out where his great strength lieth. And they offered her 1,100 pieces of silver to find out if they could find out where this guy's strength was. Each of them would give him that money. I mean, they were out to get him. And it's interesting to know where his great strength did lie. You know, he... I believe he probably looked more like an ordinary man. I mean, the pictures shows him a little ripped and muscular. But, you know, I, I'm not sure that he looked like Goliath or ripped with muscles like that. Because they would have known where his strength is, right? But they wanted to know where his strength was. So it seems like maybe he was just more looking more like an ordinary guy. And when the power of the Spirit of the Lord came upon him is when he did all this. That, it was God that did it. It was the Spirit of the Lord. And this just, the Philistines were, they, they were just baffled. They did, couldn't figure this one out. They wanted to tell uh, Delilah, figure out, get, get, find out what this guy's strength is. So she says in verse 6, chapter 16 and verse 6, tell me, I pray thee, 
Tell me, I pray thee, and Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. So he's saying, she's coming right out and saying, she wants to tie him up, that it might be bound. Now why would Samson not run away at the first, the first try? The first try. You know, he was strong with men, but weak with women. He was just playing around. And then he says in verse 7, if you take seven green widths, or like ropes, and, and, and that, that, that's what it'll, that's, and, and then, now here she, he knows, he knows that she's out to get him, right? And she's trying to betray him into the, into the hands of their enemies so they can hurt, hurt him. And he should have said, you know, Delilah, I'll see you later. But he just plays around. And then she comes and says, Philistines be on you. And he breaks the ropes like yarn. And then she comes out in verse 10 and says, you lied and mocked me. And they said, oh, okay, well, if you use new ropes, if you use new ropes, then I'll be like weak like other men. Same thing. He broke it like thread. The Philistines came in and he just broke it like thread. And then she comes out and Delilah and says, you know, you, li you lied. You, you, know, you know, Samson, I, I wondered why he lied here. Why did he just fool, fool around and tell her that? Why didn't he come out and tell her, well, I can't tell you. I'm sorry. I, I can't tell you. Or this is a covenant between me and God. Or, or you just want to know so the Philistines can get me. But then she comes along. Why, did, why would he resort to just lying? I'm not sure. It wasn't a good setting for him. But, and Delilah says, you mocked me. And you could say, wait a minute. Who's mocking who? Who's mocking who? Samson should have just packed up and left, right? This is his third, third try to get him. And, uh, but see, she's, he, he should have run like Joseph did. But she's sucking him in. She's just sucking him in trying to get him. And verse 13, she mopes and she says, you know, why do you do this? You're mocking me. Tell me wherein thou mightest be bound. I mean, come on, really? You're going to think she's going to tell? You know, he's just arrogantly playing around with his head in her lap. You know, he's gotten out of so many other tight spots. He's saying, I'm just going to get out of this one too, right? That's what he's thinking. And verse, and then, uh, and, uh, oh, and then he says, if, if, you, if you weave the locks of my hair together, now he's, not getting, now he's getting closer to the hair. He says, if you weave the locks of my hair in the loom. Now, I worked with a fellow that had a loom. This was a big loom. You'd weave your stuff through it and you pull it tight. Now his hair would have been, what, 30-year-old 30 30 year long hair? And he would have had like dreadlocks and seven different locks or whatever. So he had some lengthy hair and uh, he says if you weave this together then I will be weak like other men it's like Samson what are you doing talking about your hair to this woman that's out to get you and so they did that and she says Philistines be upon you and he woke up and he walked out with the loom and all can, now that the looms are pretty big. <clears throat> now, how could he? How could he let her let them weave his hair while he's sleeping without being woke up? Just beats me. How could they do all of this without him waking up? Just um, 
I'm not sure. <clears throat> must have been a must be a deep sleeper. So here he says, you know, how can you how in verse 15 <clears throat> she says, and she said unto him, How canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. Now she's, she's going farther and she's saying, you know, your heart is not with me. Well, where's hers? She's out to get him. And in verse 16, it says, it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him that his soul was vexed unto death. So he couldn't stand the pressure and he gave in from strength to weakness. He didn't have the strength to withstand. I mean, with her head in, the her, in his lap. <clears throat> he gets a haircut. He told her all her heart. No razor has come on his head. Hair, you know, the hair is all he had left of his Nazarite vow. He apparently was sleeping on her lap. And they come and they cut off his locks and his strength left from him. And the sad thing is that he didn't know it. He didn't know that the strength left. And uh, they, came, they cut off these locks. And, uh, and so you see, he's, he's proud and overconfident. I mean, he's, he's confident his strength is just never going to leave him. Think about how, um, how many other times he just got out of it. He just couldn't. He could pull it off. And he says in verse, I will go out, as, in verse 20, I will go out as other times. He was presuming the grace of God. And it did leave him. It did leave him, and he didn't know it. Sad, saddest part of the whole story. He didn't know that the Lord was departed from him. You know, he defiled his purity and diluted his power. Now, the power was not in his hair. It was in the Holy Spirit that left him. Now, in verse 21, we see um, they put out his eyes. And we probably don't want to know how they did it. It probably wasn't pretty. But you know, the story started. He saw a woman in chapter, it started out. He saw a woman in Tibna. And then he saw a woman, the harlot. And then he saw Delilah. And then they put out his eyes. Put out his eyes. And then in verse 21, they bound him up. They bound him and they took him to Gaza into the grinding prison. Now, you know, it's in shame and weakness that Samson is led to Gaza. It's the very place that he displayed great strength earlier. Just a picture of sin. You know, it can start out, looks like fun, looks like pleasure, never stays small, will take you further than you want to go. You know, it took him to grinding at the mill. He lost his eyesight and he lost and he became a slave the same, at the same time. Probably the, one of the, the two worst things that could probably happen to you. Think about it. Lost your eyesight and grinding at the wheel like an animal in prison. Grinding at prison. That's what animals do. They push that wheel day after day all day long, grinding out the corn. But in verse 22, we see a change. In verse 22, it says, Howbeit the hair of his hair head began to grow after he was shaven. 
I see this as repentance. He was repenting. Now the power is not in his hair, but it's in the spirit of the Lord that was with him. So the power was represented by his hair, but the hair was the symbol of his vow. And the vow was his dedication or his commitment to God. So when he lost his hair, he lost his vow, and he wasn't operating anymore in his dedication, in his commitment to Christ, which means he didn't have the power. He didn't have, the spirit of the Lord didn't come upon him anymore. The spirit of the Lord left him. Today, I believe we have a lot of powerless Christians because they're unsanctified, because they have lost that separatedness that God wants. The doctrine of separation is for today. You know, the Bible of Timothy talks about the form of godliness, but denying the power, no power, no power. Now, then in verse 23, it says, then, then the lords of the Philistine. Now, let's just think about 22. He was, his hair began to grow and he was taken to prison. And they, they decided in verse 23, they're going to throw a big party. They're going to throw a big party. Now, we don't know how much time was between, how long was he in prison before this big party, before the last scene. But I'm going to read here verse 23 on. It says, Then the lords of the Philistines gathered together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. For they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. And they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy, and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass, when their hearts were merry, they said, Call for Samson that he may make us sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee. Only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my eyes, my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle, middle, middle pillars upon which the house stood, and upon which it bore up of the, of the one with his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines, and bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon the people, and saw that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than those which he slew in, life, in his life. Then his brethren and all the house of his father came up and took him and brought him un and buried him between Zorah and Estoal, the burial place of Manoah, his father. And he judged Israel 20 years. So here they had a big party. They were celebrating the capture of Samson. Because their god, Dagon, beat, they brought uh, Samson into their hands. Now, it's here, it's about Samson's, I mean, Samson's god versus Dagon. 
You know, it's no longer a fight between people here, but it's about they're celebrating Dagon has brought Samson into their hands. And God, that's, it's, it's God's, God fighting God, but God used Samson one last time. In verse 22, it says his hair began to grow. I don't believe it's just talking about his hair. There's something else here. Something else is happening. While Samson is grinding here at the wheel, while they're partying, Samson is back here grinding in prison. And they didn't know it, but what he lost is coming back. What he lost, he lost because he was, lived a sinful life. What he did. And that he got back by repenting. His hair growth, I believe, is repentance. It, it, his repentance, I believe, can be seen in his, in his prayer. He says, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me this only once. He's praying, you know, just one time. I have sinned. I believe he's saying, I have sinned. I know I'm here because I've sinned. And he's saying, remember me. He's re asking God to remember him. Now, his hair's growing back, not just because it got cut off, but he's, there's something happening in his relationship with God. He's getting right with God. And it dawns on him about his dedication, his commitment, his vow that he gave. And I believe as Samson was grinding here at the wheel, and he was wiping the sweat off of his head, and he's feel, I mean, he would have had dreads, and he was feeling this hair growing back. You know, he's wondering, you know, what, will, will God hear me now? Will God still look my way? Will God, why did I live that way? Why did I have that casual attitude? Will God forgive me? I believe there was repentance. When we agree with God, when we have gone wrong and we get back on the right road, you know, Samson left his Nazarite vow because of sin. And if we have left our dedication, our commitment that we were once in, if we have our head in Delilah's lap, we can come back to the commitment and the dedication that we once had. There's one thing that stands out in this story, and that is it's never too late to cry out to God. You know, if there's hope for Samson, there's hope for anyone, everyone. In verse 25, it says their hearts were merry. They were in high spirits. They were pretty happy. And they call for Samson to make sport of him. And they bring him out. And they put him between the two pillars. You know, were they planning to kill him publicly? I don't know. But they were proud of their capture. And I don't know in verse 20, how many people, it says 3,000 people were on the porch. How many people were in the place at the time and how many were killed guess we don't really know but Samson asked the lad to take him to the two main pillars and he pushes them out and he pushes them and the roof and the everything fell in and it says more died that time than all his life Samson was called to deliver the children of Israel now I wonder I don't know what the architecture architecture looked like there I picture a large balcony with these two posts holding this up. And if 3,000 were people were up top and there might have been that many downstairs and he says, remember me. Rem he remembered his vow. He remembered his commitment. And he's repented. And he says, this one time. He said what Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he did die a young death. 
but his purpose, but more died that whole, that, than, than all of his life. And his purpose, he delivered Israel. He delivered Israel. There was, uh, you know, he had a lot of victories in his life, uh, but here, in, in killing Philistines, but here, I don't know how many died, but including all the top officials of Dagon, the ones that were partying because of their capture, all those that were against Jehovah God and they were terrorizing God's people. In a moment, more was done than all of his life combined. You know, Samson made a lot of wrong choices, bad choices, but he repented. And I believe he, he ended right. I believe that's why we will see him in heaven. Hebrews 11 says, calling out those heroes of faith, and he says, for what time would tell me of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson? It's encouraging to see what God, that God remembers his faith and not all his failures. He had a lot of failures, but just think what Samson could have been. Just think of all that he lost. You know, when, we get, when he got right with God, what great things happened. So if we have made bad choices, we can repent and end right. You know, if we have given in to the appetites of the flesh, repent before it's too late. We can't be a loner like Samson lived his life alone, tried to fight his battles alone. Talk to people. We need friends. And the most important thing we can learn, it's never too late to cry out to God. It's never too late to cry out to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your love. Thank you for the story of Samson. Lord, there's uh, a lot in that story and much more we could have brought out, but just trust, Lord, that you will use the words the way you've intended them to be. Father, I just commit this um, service into your hands and just pray that you will bless each one that is here. If there's any struggling with a Delilah in their life, Lord, that they could talk to someone and that we could repent before it's too late. Father, I just pray that you will bless us as we leave. Pray that you will guide and direct us for your honor and glory. We pray in the worthy name of Jesus. Amen.